This is Digital Health Today, episode 55. This is not a his or hers problem. This is a his and hers pursuit. And it's part of the reason I was so excited with coming on your show today with with Leah is that the more this can be a comprehensive approach where a couple takes on this challenge together and they do what they can to improve their chances, your chances of success just go up exponentially. Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. This episode is brought to you by Bear Grants for Apps and their new generator program. Bear Grants for Apps invites you to submit your innovative healthcare projects for one of their four challenge areas. Learn more and apply online at g4agenerator.com by March 23rd. Welcome back to Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders making the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and this is episode 55. The main focus of this platform is to dive into the application and impact of new technologies as they make the journey from ideation to implementation. But at the core of every solution we discuss are the people who are affected by these improvements and new ways of working. It's all about their journeys, their challenges, their families, their health and wellness, and dare I say it, their happiness. Sometimes when we think about health, our mind instantly travels to thoughts of illness and disease. But as part of our audience, you know that health is much broader than that. One of the ways we try to explore health innovation on this platform is to dive into specific technologies and how they can be applied to various areas of health. Like in episode 50, I talked about five companies that are developing VR and AR solutions and how those are being applied in everything from surgical training to pain management. Another way we explore is by taking on specific health topics and then we investigate the various types of technologies that can be used to monitor, manage, and improve those conditions. Well, keeping with that theme, in this episode, we're going to dive into a topic that is changing rapidly, and that is the topic of reproductive health. I invited the founders of two companies that have developed technologies to help women and men to measure and improve their reproductive health. I always learn something from our guests, and one of the things I learned on this episode is that for men, our overall health is so closely tied to reproductive health that sperm count is actually being called by some the sixth vital sign. Even if you're not trying to conceive and those days are ahead of or behind you, I'm sure you'll also learn something from our guests. Hey, but listen, before I introduce them, I have a favor to ask. I continue to be overwhelmed with the positive response I get from you as listeners as you tweet, email, post, and share what you're getting out of this program. We have some big plans for 2018, and I'd like to ask your help in one small way. Please, can you take a minute to leave a review in iTunes? Actually, I said that wrong. I know you can. Actually, what I meant to say is, will you? Will you please take a minute to leave a review in iTunes? I know it's not the most obvious thing to do when you're looking at this podcast playing on your phone or on the website, so I want to make it simpler for you. Just go to digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash review or scroll down to the bottom of this page if you're listening to this on the website and you'll see the link right there. Leave a five-star review if that's all you have time for, and if you can leave a few comments as well, then that also really helps to continue building our global audience that's focused on accelerating health transformation. Okay, that's my ask. If you leave a review, tweet me, and I'll share my appreciation with the world, just as I'm doing right now. In the past couple weeks, we've had great reviews from Emily McGovern in San Francisco, Denise Silber in Paris, Anna Sort in Barcelona, and Teapot1324. I'm not sure who you are or where you are, but I really appreciate you all taking time to leave your reviews and help others find this platform. Okay, I have two guests today, and they made a terrific duo on this topic. Leah Von Bitter is the co-founder and president of Ava Science, which is the company behind the women's wearable called Ava Women. You can find them online at avawomen.com. That's A-V-A women.com. 
Also on the call is Greg Sommer. He's the founder and chief science officer at Sandstone Diagnostics. That's the company behind men's health product, Track. That's T-R-A-K. And you can find them online at trackfertility.com, T-R-A-K fertility.com. Between the two of them, we cover both sides of the reproductive health equation. They share some great insights on the topic and the new solutions available to help women and men. We can't overlook our role on this topic, guys, and we discuss some very easy-to-use, discreet, home-based products that you'll find interesting. Pick up links to our guests and their companies at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 55. Now let's tune into the conversation with Leah Von Bitter and Greg Sommer. Leah, Greg, welcome to the program. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. It's nice to be here. Leah, you're the co-founder and president of Ava Science. Can you give the listeners a little bit of insight about what you do and where you're from? Sure. We're originally from Switzerland, which you can probably hear from my accent um, in this in this call. So what we do is we really focused on women's health and on giving women insights across all the stages of their reproductive life. So be it while they're trying to get pregnant, be it while they're pregnant, be it when they're trying not to get pregnant and all of the other stages. The first product that we have on the market right now is Ava, um, a fertility tracker. It's a bracelet that women can wear during the night. It tracks nine different physiological parameters and it helps women to understand their menstrual cycles and to better find their fertile window. So we really started this because we realized that cycle tracking was stuck somewhere in the past and it was really difficult and imprecise for women to do that. And we wanted to come up with something that is much more 21st century and works better. Um, And that is how we came up with Ava, which is now on the market for around one and a half years. Excellent. We're going to dive into some of the details about that product and some of the things you've done to get it to its current stage. I know you've had some landmarks recently, as recently as October, with the first child being born that's definitely an Ava baby. But let me jump over to Greg first. Greg, how about you? You're the founder and CSO of Sandstone Diagnostics. What about you? Where are you from and what is it that you're doing at Sandstone? Yeah, that's right. Thanks, Dan. So we are a barrier company, but we're on the other side of the fertility equation, on the men's side. And we're a men's health company, and we're building fertility solutions for the other half of the fertility equation. You know, men are traditionally pretty underserved when it comes to reproductive health, often not tested early, if at all, despite being responsible for half the cases of infertility. We launched our lead product earlier this year. It's called Track. It's a Leah talked about cycle tracking. What we're doing is sperm tracking. So we have a home test kit that allows them to measure and track their sperm count at home. And it's complemented by a mobile app that provides a digital solution. So we're really focused on helping men understand personal risk factors in their life, health and and lifestyle and behavior, things that could be causing fertility issues and, and equipping them with the tools that they need to maximize their sperm production that can only lead to improvements in reproductive health and hopefully help tilt the chances of conception into the couple's favor. Thank you both for those introductions. I know this is a really sensitive issue. I know we're, we're going to talk today about reproductive health, and people are really reluctant to talk about this openly because it's, you know, starting a family is a really personal decision, and if there's, there's issues in that, then obviously people like to keep that very private, and they're looking for solutions uh, amongst themselves. So for a lot of people who are experiencing trouble conceiving, this might also be the first time they actually need to pause and take stock of their health and their bodies. Leah, let me go to you first. What are some of the most common causes of fertility problems in women? Yeah, so just maybe to to answer to what you said first, I mean, that's absolutely the case. Most women that are trying to get pregnant, that's the first time they actually have to start thinking about their menstrual cycles, right? So they've been 
maybe on hormonal birth control all their lives. They've never actually had a real cycle or they didn't know about it. Anyways, we live in a society where menstrual cycles is not something you talk about on like your normal brunch table. So usually when, when women are trying to get pregnant, that's the first time they really have to start figuring out what their cycle even does and what their cycle even is. And they need to learn that there's only a limited fertile window, which is you know, different than what we've learned all the time in high school when people told us you can get pregnant anytime. Um, and that really isn't the case. Um, going back to your question, what are the main reasons for for women having trouble conceiving? So it's interesting. First of all, I think I do want to mention that it's really it's it's a men and women's side thing. And I think Greg will talk about that. So I think according to the newest studies, it's really 50 50. It's the male and the female factor. And then on the female side, there's a couple of reasons. One of the reasons that we are particularly looking into at the moment is hormonal imbalances and especially PCOS, which is a polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, it's an imbalance, a hormonal imbalance in women that leads women to have very irregular cycles. Around 10 to 20 percent of women have that and are diagnosed or are not diagnosed. And it just leads to very irregular cycles, which makes trying to get pregnant extremely difficult because if one of your cycle is 35 days and then the next one is 50, figuring out when you can actually get pregnant and figuring out when your fertile window is, is, is really difficult. And so that's one of the pieces of research that we've started looking at. We've actually started a clinical trial now this month on trying to also help women with PCOS managing their fertility. Gray, how about you? What about the male side of the equation? What are some of the issues that men are facing and that, that men are, are contributing to the fertility issues in, in couples as they try to conceive? Well, for men, it, it really comes down to a numbers game. You know, it takes a sperm and an egg to get pregnant. And there's a problem going on, kind of a, a crisis actually in men's reproductive health where men are not producing nearly as much sperm as they used to. You know, recent data has shown upwards of a, a 50% drop in the average sperm count over the last four decades for really unknown reasons. A lot of hypotheses are about what might be going on, but a pretty dramatic problem that you know, the average man today is not making as much sperm as, as the average man in the 1970s. So when it comes to trying to get pregnant, that, that's a big problem because the sperm count is directly related to the monthly chances of conception. You have to have enough enough sperm in, in the system that can uh, allow them to, to do their job. And so for men, it really comes down to what is causing problems in sperm production. That can be a lot of things. That can be genetics, it can be former injuries, but it can also be directly related to a man's health and lifestyle. You know, For example, obesity is a big one. Obese men are 80% more likely to have a low sperm count than men of a normal health range. Smoking and hot tub use and mountain biking and, and other things that are impairing sperm production can all be causative factors. So a lot of these things are quite easily addressed or treatable, but it's a matter of education and helping guys understand what could be causing an issue. And then, you know, we're not talking about a lifetime of changes. We're talking about a few months can really make a big difference in, in improving a man's sperm production. And, and that can be the difference in success or not. I think if I can add to this here, I think it's really interesting because I think on the men's side, it's almost easier to look at lifestyle factors and then look at the result because you can probably say, okay, those lifestyle changes I made and now there's the result in my new sperm count. I think for women, the reason why we are not entirely sure about lifestyle factors is because there's no clear number and outcome that we can see, right? Um, there might be an egg, but it might be fertile, it might not be. So it's, I think the outcome-based thing is much more difficult. But what we do know in terms of lifestyle for women is also the weight factor that you mentioned, Greg. Um, so overweight also and also underweight is, is a big reason for women that have trouble conceiving. 
on the weight is not something a lot of people think about, but if you're below a certain BMI, um, you will have trouble conceiving because your cycle will not work normally anymore. And if you're above a certain BMI, you actually that often leads to a hormonal imbalance that will in the end make it much harder for you to conceive. Just to give me some idea then of the scale of this, uh, how many couples are having challenges conceiving in any given year? So it really depends how you define challenges to conceive, because I think we live now in a society where for a lot of couples, they assume that they're going to jump into this trying to conceive journey. And they assume that within a month or two, they're going to be pregnant. I think we've learned that because we've learned that, again, we can get pregnant anytime and you're taking birth control all your life. So you assume as soon as you don't take birth control anymore, you should get pregnant. Plus, we all watch a lot of Hollywood movies where we see that getting pregnant can go really fast. Um, so I think a lot of couples have a bit unrealistic expectations when they jump into this this exercise and they think they should get pregnant within a month, two months, three months. Even though we all know that the average of getting pregnant, depending on your age, is around six months, can be 12 months, depending on how old you and your partner are. So I would say that this whole definition of trouble getting pregnant is always a little difficult because we understand that a lot of couples already get uneasy after two or three months and especially get uneasy after, let's say, six months, depending on your age. But the clinical, on the clinical side, if we just look at the clinical definition there, infertility, you as a couple are considered infertile if you have been unsuccessfully trying for over a year, if you're under 35 years old, or unsuccessfully been trying for six months if you're over 35 years old. So that's the clinical definition of infertility. And we know around that around 17 to 20% of couples will eventually seek treatment. So we'll seek fertility treatment after all. Um, so we assume around a third of couples will probably be considered infertile. Yeah, I would just add on top of that too, that bottom line, this is something that's affecting millions of people every year, US, Europe, and around the globe. This is not something that affects a certain demographic. This affects everyone these days, and it's becoming a, a major problem. And especially on the men's side, it's taboo enough in general, but especially on the, the men's side, this is not something they're men are really comfortable or used to speaking out on. So, you know, these are millions of men that are quietly suffering through this. And I think, you know, Leah and I, with what we do, we kind of see both sides of it. And with our products now out there, at least I can speak to us, that one of the most rewarding parts of this job is the success stories. You know, since, since we started doing this, we've been inundated with some of the most heartbreaking stories that you can imagine of couples trying for years and having no options. You know, fertility treatment is incredibly expensive and a lot of people just can't go that direction or look for anything that can help them. And so now being able to help people early in this process, start their families is, it's uh, incredibly rewarding. Yeah, I want to jump into what that process exactly is and how that's evolved over the past few decades. But first of all, I want to just uh, close out this this human element of it, that there's this real relationship toll that it can uh, take. I, I think, Leo, you mentioned it, that after two or three months, a lot of couples begin to think that something's, quote, wrong. But actually, what I understood you to say is actually two or three months could be quite normal. Can you give me some insight about some of what people were actually experiencing as, as individuals who are trying to do this life-changing thing of starting a family or, or expanding their family? Yeah, I can, I can start. You know, I think from the men's side, men have traditionally played the supportive role. You know, this is something that probably emotionally affects women a little bit more than men and men have been looking for how can I how can I support her when she's you know dealing with this month after month of unsuccessful pregnancy tests and and then layering on top of that you know you have friends you have family who are successfully getting pregnant and, and we see couples that are 
they have to take themselves off of Facebook and they can't go to baby showers and just it's just day in day out being confronted with the joys of parenthood when you yourself are struggling with it and have no end no solution in sight so i think men have for a long time been struggling with how to play that supportive role but what we're really trying to do is is put him right there front and center with her from day one. This is not a his or hers problem. This is a his and hers pursuit. And and the more that couples can work together, that's part of the reason I was so excited with you know coming on your show today with with Leah is that the more this can be a comprehensive approach where a couple takes on this challenge together and and they do what they can to improve their chances, your chances of success just go up exponentially. I think from our side, we absolutely support that vision and mission to to include men as early as possible, because in the end, we are more focused on the women factor here, but women need the support of men throughout this process, first of all, because there's actually like medical reasons why it might not be on that side. But then there's also, there's so much going on during that time that is that is really difficult for women. A lot of us have kind of a clear image in our mind how we how we want our family to be. We might have planned a long time ago that we want to have babies at this and this age and with this and this person and after we get married. And and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of women still still think that, you know, that or feel that when they have a baby, that's part of kind of this life mission and life dream that they've had. And if it doesn't work out immediately, that can be really, really, really hard. Um, I think it's a complete roller coaster because every month you go through the same thing, right? Every month you're going to start trying again. You know exactly when you have to try, but then you've tried and then you need to wait two weeks. And during that two weeks, um, it's called a two-week wait for, for women who are who are trying. There's all those ups and downs, right? And then you're not sure if you have pregnancy symptoms or if you don't. And then at the end of that month, you, you finally take the test and it might not work out. And then it, your test might have been too early and then you take it again. And it's just, it's such an up and down the entire time. And that's difficult enough if you just experience that on your own. But it's even more difficult if you have all those expectations from society around you. I'm, I'm excited to talk about fertility mainly because I think the more people know about it, more people are aware about it. We, we can also kind of get rid of that stigma around it because that really just makes it much more difficult for women that are in the situation. Yeah, I was looking forward to this conversation, too, precisely for the reason that Greg mentioned. And Greg, you actually mentioned this in some of the information you sent across to me, which is, and I love this expression, which is, you know, conceiving is a team sport. From a statistical perspective, how often is the primary cause uh, on the male side or the female side so that, that we men have some idea of the importance of the role that we do play in this important subject? Sure. Yeah. It's, it's about, you know, clinically it's about one third, one third, one third. So a third of the time it's a, a primary cause on the male side, a third a primary cause on the female side. And then the remaining third is either unknown or it's an issue with that particular man and woman having a compatibility issue that's causing an issue. But a lot of that third is really unknown, undiagnosed, uh, unexplained fertility is a, a major problem that we're still at the, the forefront of knowledge and research on this topic. There's a, a lot of exciting things happening, but a lot of what goes on in the fertility process remains unknown. What do couples do when they are having these issues, and where do they go to get resources and begin to understand how they can improve their chances of conceiving? Well, I can start with, you know, I think both Leah and I, our products, our companies are very focused on those early stages. Right. So fertility, when it comes to fertility and getting pregnant, time is often not on your side. You know, today the, the standard of care, as Leah mentioned, is after 12 months, you know, a clinical diagnosis of infertility and go see a specialist. But 
12 months is a long time. And there's a lot that you can be doing in that window to improve your chances. And that's where both Ava and track can really add value. So, you know, early in the process, even if you're not yet trying, you're just thinking about trying, getting that initial assessment, some reading and, and some feedback and education and tools that can improve your chances is only going to help. And, and that's where products like Ava and track can help out. But traditionally the route that couples take is, is if they're able to, to find a fertility specialist and, and go down that route, it's, it starts with, you know, less invasive type approaches of there's medications that can improve fertility rates and, and help out that they'll try for a few months. Intrauterine insemination is a common next step, which is a relatively low cost procedure done easily in a, in a doctor's office to help help give the sperm a little bit of a boost, get them closer to their goal, and hopefully cause a natural conception. And then a lot of couples take the steps to in vitro fertilization or IVF, which is retrieving eggs from the woman, taking a sperm sample from the men, and doing the fertilization in the laboratory prior to implantation. And that's where a lot of the you know, exciting innovation and research and you know, the things that fertility clinics can do in that realm are, are miraculous. But it's also very expensive, and it, it tends to come pretty far down the road as couples try to start their family. Mm-hmm. So as Greg mentioned, we are more at the beginning of the journey. But interestingly, at the beginning of the trying to conceive journey, a lot of women, or almost all women, know that they will need to start tracking their menstrual cycles. It makes sense because your menstrual cycles might be you know, 35 days, 30 days, and in that entire time, you have six days you can actually get pregnant. There's biologically no way you can get pregnant on any other day than those six days. And actually 70% of pregnancies happen within three days, just so three out of those six days. So for a lot of women, it's very clear at that point that they need to start tracking their menstrual cycles. And that is a bit where we come in because traditionally the methods that women had to track their menstrual cycles were really difficult. And I mentioned that before. And the main methods that are still out there nowadays is basically just the temperature methods. So women taking the temperature every day with a thermometer and waiting for the temperature to go up, which is on one hand really difficult because you need to do that every day at the same time. Weekends, you need to do it at the same time. And then temperature only increases after your fertile window. So instead of actually knowing it in real time, you basically just confirm it afterwards. But that is one of the methods that is probably still the most relevant if you want to track your menstrual cycle. And then the other method is LH urine sticks, um, which basically tell you when your LH increases, that's usually around 24 to 36 hours before the end of your fertile window. So that's mostly the moment, you know, you call your husband and you say, okay, it needs to be now. You have to cancel that game. We need to be home now. Um, So those have been the methods that have been out there. And um, for women, I think, you know, in this whole process, which a lot of women go into and say, okay, this is going to be this really romantic time of my life. We're trying for a baby. We're ready for this. And then they realize it's actually much more difficult than they thought. So there's only those three very fertile days and the whole thing is much more complex than they thought. They don't really know their menstrual cycles. And then on top of that, you add methods that already our moms have used and that are really imprecise and really difficult and annoying to use. And that's kind of where we started with Ava and we said we really want to make something that is easier for women. And I think tracking their menstrual cycle has become has become standard for couples who are trying to get pregnant, but the methods have just not kept up with, with the technological changes that we see in the world now. Um, and that's kind of where we came in. Greg, you mentioned the cost. 
uh, and and where you guys are in the cycle with your individual products. But I know it can be a wide range, but what sort of range do people spend as they're trying to conceive, as they're trying to identify, you know, you mentioned a third, a third, a third, as they're they're going through the process and they're identifying whether it's on the female side or the male side or a combination. What are some of the costs that they, that, you know, in terms of the range that people will spend over the course of that 12 to however many months it takes? Well, you're right. It's it's all over the place, but you know, it's not uncommon for couples to spend six figures to get pregnant and start their family. The average cost of a round of in vitro fertilization is is somewhere in the fifteen to eighteen thousand dollar range a month, and that's certainly the most expensive part. It's getting better in some ways that we see a little bit better coverage at the health and and employer benefits level where companies are increasingly supportive of helping offset the cost of fertility treatment for employees who need it. But it's got a long ways to go. And it's still, for a lot of couples, a major financial burden. You know, you talk about the physical and emotional toll, but the financial toll is is a major part of this problem that only kind of snowballs the rest of it, right? You're not only worrying about your likelihood of becoming a parent, you're worried about your finances and second mortgages on your home. And it's a lot to take on, especially for you know, a young couple just starting their life together. We'll get right back to the interview, but I wanted to take a minute to tell you about our partnership with Bayer and their Grants for Apps program. After five years of success with the G4A Accelerator program and the DealMaker program that was just introduced in 2017, Bayer has introduced another new program to help foster partnerships between Bayer and early-stage companies. Similar to the DealMaker program, the new Generator program is designed to establish commercial relationships with companies developing solutions that focus on their four challenge areas. This program is about making self-care accessible and achievable, and they're looking to tackle the challenges of managing self-care, external pain management, improving skin and sun protection, and nutrition support. The prize for this program is perhaps one of the most valuable of all, a commercial relationship with a global corporate customer. Applications open the week of January 8th, 2018, but don't delay. The deadline to apply is March 23rd, 2018. Get full details on their website at g4agenerator.com. That's G, the number four, A, generator.com. Now let's jump back to the conversation. So the physical, the emotional, the financial toll, just a tremendous thing that people are going through. So you both are running startup companies that are focused on trying to address this issue, and you've applied innovation to try to solve this at various stages and for, for different groups. Let's start with you, Leah. Tell me exactly how did you apply innovation to this? What was the sort of science that led you to believe that you could create a piece of technology? And tell me more about exactly how it works. So I mentioned the temperature method before, and that's something that a lot of I would say at least women are usually aware of because we've heard of it before. Leah, just to stop you there. So I'm aware of the temperature method as well, but you said something that I was not aware of, which was the temperature goes up after their fertile window. So it makes me just kind of wonder, well, why does that even work? And how, how useful is that? So one of the, yeah, it, it really doesn't work that well. But let me just maybe for, for anyone who doesn't really know about the temperature method, what this does. So you have this entire menstrual cycle and you have all those hormonal changes that happen during your menstrual cycle. So for a lot of women, the only thing that they see about the menstrual cycle is their menstruation because that's the only obvious thing. But the actual interesting things happen during the cycle. So when fertile days happen and ovulation happens and everything else. And there's different hormones that change during that time. And the most important ones that change during that time are really estradiol, LH, and progesterone. Now, 
progesterone is the hormone that changes after the fertile window, and that is also what drives the temperature up. So if, as a woman, you take your temperature every day, you will see an increase of your temperature after you've ovulated, so after your fertile days are over. Um, and that has been used as a method to track your menstrual cycles for decades. And some women are also using that as contraception. And the reason why it doesn't work that well is really temperature goes up too late. So if you have an extremely regular cycle, that might work because then you know, okay, good, my you know ovulation is usually on day 17, so it might be the same thing next month. But 70% of women have irregular cycles. So that, that information might not be as helpful as it sounds. So that is pretty much where we started. We said, okay, good. We know that the temperature method works and we know that temperature goes up at some point. But usually there's a lot of events leading up to this. So there's not only that hormone that is changing, there's a lot and there's actually a lot in your body is happening. So you said, okay, if, that is, if temperature is changing, then probably this is not an isolated event. So probably there's also other parameters that might be changing during your menstrual cycle before temperature even changes. So that's when we started to do our research and we really started to look at every single possible thing that might potentially change during your menstrual cycle from physiological parameters to how often you have calls with your husband to how your voice changes to everything. So we really looked at every single piece of research that we could get our hands on of people that have already in the past looked at menstrual cycles and, and any effect that they've seen. And the result of that is basically what Ava is now. So we found a wide array of physiological parameters, including things such as breathing rate, pulse rate, and also perfusion that are relevant during your menstrual cycles and that change as well during your menstrual cycle. And besides just also changing and therefore, you know, having additional parameters besides temperature, the really fascinating thing about the technology that we found is we found parameters that are changing much earlier. So at the beginning of the fertile window and not just after the fertile window. And, and we've published on one of those parameters with pulse rate last actually at the beginning of this year, and we will publish on the other parameters shortly after. So the really fascinating thing about the technology that we've now found is it actually detects your fertile days in real time and not just after the fact. So it really detects the very beginning of a fertile window on average detecting 5.3 fertile days per cycle and just giving you much more security by having more parameters that kind of indicate your fertile window. So that's the technology. And I think the other advantage of the technology, besides just recognizing your fertile days earlier, is it's just so much more convenient than what has been out there so far. Because you don't have to pee on a stick a couple of times a month. You don't have to wake up every morning to take your temperature. You can just wear a bracelet and you wear that during the night. And in the morning, you have all the information you need on your phone. So that has really been the core part of the innovation that we've been working on so far. And you started the company in Switzerland in 2014. When did you release a product? We started in yeah in Switzerland in 2014. We released the product in 2016 in the U.S. first. Where is the product available for sale? The product is available for sale in the U.S. and in Europe. So we are still we have different offices. Um, our headquarters is still in Switzerland at this point, but we have an office here in San Francisco as well. Greg, tell me about your approach and how you applied innovation to the male side of the equation. Sure. Yeah. So our story. We actually started out from a more of a platform technology perspective. One of my co-founders and I, we were working together at a national lab in California doing research on point-of-care diagnostics for biodefense applications, uh, looking at how can you develop field-deployable instruments that run on batteries and can do high-performance clinical assays for kind of government scenarios of interest. And that work really inspired what we're doing at Sandstone where we recognized a major 
gap in the healthcare side of men's reproductive health just based on the diagnostics. So the gold standard evaluation for men is a, a semen analysis that involves taking a semen sample, putting it on a microscope slide, and it's usually a technician looking under a microscope and, and counting individual sperm cells with a clicker and, and re- revealing a sperm count. And that just has a lot of shortcomings. It's obviously from a user per, or from a customer perspective, not the most enjoyable experience for men to go into a lab and have that done. And then the, the cost and imprecision around that technique are just kind of limiting to what men can actually do with that information. So we set out to build a, a solution that could help men take better control and care of the reproductive health at home. Our technology is based on an area of science called centrifugal microfluidics. So our kit, our product on the market is actually a little mini centrifuge for your home. It's a device, it's got a little motor in it, it runs on AA batteries, and then you get disposable test cartridges. We call them props. These are precision-engineered plastic devices. And you run this all at home, so you don't mail in your sample. You, you collect your sample in a cup. You put a few drops into the disposable, and then the engine spins it for about five minutes. And what that, that's doing is using centrifugal force to pull out, isolate, and quantify the sperm cells. Sperm cells are actually the densest cell in a man's body. So they're, they're heavy little guys, and by spinning them down, we can we can isolate them pretty precisely and we give you a, a visual reading of sperm count. This product is FDA cleared, so it's a class two medical device. We went through a 240 patient, three site blinded clinical trial to prove that it's just as accurate as a lab test, which it is, and that it's easy for men to use and understand and interpret all in the comfort and privacy of their own home. So that's the technology side, but really where this product has taken off is is on the digital health side. And I know that's of interest to you and your listeners that you know this is an area of men's health that is so dramatically poorly understood that the nature of men using our mobile app, our web tools right alongside the tests is revealing unprecedented insights where we're able to look at for the first time the the effect of men's health and lifestyle in in real time on on their sperm production and their fertility outcomes. So the data side, the analytics around what is causing an effect, what's making a big impact on men's sperm production is a big part of what we're building here at Sandstone. There's lots of things that I like about your product, Greg, and I'm going to go over to the Ava product in a minute here. But in terms of the track product, it's T-R-A-K, and I know you can find it on trackfertility, T-R-A-K-fertility.com. I like the fact that it's something that people can use at home. I like it that it is, you know, very small and discreet. It's what, about three and a half inches diameter, this little centrifuge that you have and the, the sample kits. I, you, people can buy it online, have it delivered to their home. This is something that you can do yourself at home. But importantly, there's also, you mentioned earlier in some of the uh, other conversations we had about the fact that low sperm count can also be an indication of other health issues. Yeah, that's right. So one of the doctors we work with, a urologist who specializes in this space, calls sperm the, the sixth vital sign. And, you know, till now, sperm have really been confined to just fertility and pregnancy outcomes. But I think you're going to see over the next, you know, several years a growing awareness that sperm are are important for our overall health as well. You know, the average man makes about 1500 sperm a second, and that's pretty remarkable and you know, just at a high level, you got to think, wow, that's 
there's something really interesting and physiologically important about what's going on within within the testicle and men's reproductive health. So you're right. There's a, a growing body of evidence that low sperm count and infertility are tied to higher rates of cancer, testicular cancer and prostate cancer, cardiovascular disease, diabetes has a big correlation that, you know, detecting low sperm count and fertility issues early in life and treating them, actually treating the male partner, seeing what's going on, what's the underlying cause can can go a long ways, not only to helping that couple get pregnant, but to making a big impact on that man's health and life down the road. And in terms of the AVA product, that's available at AVAWomen, A-V-A-Women.com. And some of the things I like about this, very stylish, discreet, it looks very nice. It's just a wrist-worn sensor. Uh, is this something that people wear 24 hours a day, and does it have a long battery life? Or Tell me a little bit more about how that works, Leah. Sure. AVA is only worn during the night because then, first of all, the values are better. Second of all, you don't have to flag to the world that you're trying to get pregnant. So typically women wear it during the night. In the morning, you sync it with your phone and then you have all the information on your phone that you that you need around it. Battery life, you usually plug in your device in the morning at the moment when you start syncing it. So you're sure that you will always have enough battery during the night again. Well, we talked about cost earlier, so give me an idea. What do your products cost? I know it's going to be different in different currencies and different parts of the world, but give me an idea of who the products are right for and what people will pay and where they can get it. Sure. Um, I can start with that. So our product is in the U.S. on the price point of 249 U.S. dollars. In Europe, that's also similar on 249 euros, 199 um, pounds. So we have all the different currencies there um, <laughs> present. Um, and I think, who is it right for? So interestingly, I think we've talked a lot about infertility before and trouble getting pregnant. And and that's why I jumped in and said, what what does it actually mean to have trouble getting pregnant? Um, a lot of our users that are using Ava right now haven't reached that stage yet. Um, actually, around 50% of our users are starting their trying to get pregnant journey with Ava. So those are couples who say, okay, good, we're ready to have a baby and we want to do everything right from day one onwards. So let us make sure that we do this right and we don't kind of waste time unnecessarily and waste energy unnecessarily. So a lot of couples um, who are just starting out to try to have a baby um, start using Ava. We also have a lot of women who will use Ava even before they're starting to try. Because at some point before you're starting to try, you will probably get off hormonal birth control if you've been on it at all. And at that point, you will want to understand your cycles better in order to be prepared for the moment when you're actually starting trying. And then we also have a lot of women that are using AVA during pregnancy. Um, so even during pregnancy, AVA does just provide you all the physiological data um, that we also provide to, to women who are trying to conceive. So there are women that also use AVA to, uh, just to track their, their, track their pregnancy, whether they were pregnant with us or not. Um, so it's really a product, I would say, really for, for everyone who's, who's trying in the end. Yeah, and our product is is priced at the main kit is priced at one ninety nine, which provides the device and four tests, and we also have a two test refill pack that we sell for forty nine ninety nine, and you know we really encourage monthly testing if after men start some health and lifestyle changes, uh, it often takes a couple months to start seeing those changes. So Track is designed to help you get a baseline and and track your progress over time as you implement these kind of recommended changes in your life. Who our product is for? I like to say this is for guys who want to be a dad. That and that can come in all aspects. Uh, uh, about a third of our of our customers aren't actively trying to conceive. These are men who are interested, concerned, or have questions about their reproductive health 
really for other reasons. For instance, I mentioned earlier, if someone's had an injury earlier in life or an undescended testicle when they were a boy, these are pretty common things that are known to cause fertility issues. And so we have customers using that for that purpose. Men who are on steroids or testosterone treatment, those activities will often cause a man to be sterile and shut down his sperm production. So we, we have a lot of users using it for that reason or preserving their fertility for later in life. So it's all across the gamut. But you know, in general, this is, a, this is an important health parameter. And the, the sooner that you have some understanding, some assessment and, and education around your reproductive health, the better your chances of success, no matter where you are in the, in the cycle. Well, we'll include links to both your websites in the show notes for this episode. But I think most importantly for this discussion, I'm sure you both have success stories. Can you give me some idea of some of the success that your customers are having or your users are having, having uh, used the Ava product or the track product? So I think for us, I mean, this is really the beauty of working in in women's health and infertility. I think we have so many success stories that we get all the time and people sending us letters and people tweeting at us and telling us about their pregnancies. I think this is this is really what makes all of us get up every morning um, and, and it's beautiful to work in that area. And I think, I mean, by now we have, we now have around 15 people a day, I would say on average, that reach out to us and said they got pregnant using Ava, which is wonderful. I mean, we were so excited and I, I still remember very clearly when we had the first person getting pregnant last year. And it seems like yesterday and it was the first pregnancy we were all celebrating and now we're already on like 15 a day um, and that's only the people that reach out to us, so it's probably much more than that, um, actually. So it's just every time, I mean, it's a huge, it's, it's it's such a good feeling to work on something that has such a nice outcome in the end. And we, we get pictures of babies and people that send us onesies, and it's just, it's 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 wonderful to see that. And that and that first user was Lizzie McGee. I'll actually include the video that you produced in the show notes for this episode as well. So how about you, Greg? Any great success stories you could think of? Well, it's very similar where we get really excited about the pregnancies that are reported and, you know, the successes coming out of there from a fertility angle, but maybe more so just the behavior changes or what men are telling us about learning about themselves or way of living and making healthy changes. It, for me, is personally very rewarding. You know, the decision to start your family is kind of a big transition in people's lives. And a lot of our customers are coming out of living very as college kids or with rental furniture and playing video games every day to settling down and talking about financial planning and insurance and, and all the things that go with kind of this adulting process. And you know, one of the things that we're adding here is some recognition around the health and lifestyle changes that are an important piece of that. We had a user write in his success stories where he called himself Mr. Taco Bell Cigarette and used our app and realized that some of the things he was doing was really unhealthy and he lost some weight. He knocked out the cigarettes and, and they got pregnant within a few months. So those stories are, are really rewarding. The other segment that is especially rewarding for us is cancer patients who, you know, young men who are diagnosed with cancer, undergoing chemotherapy, surviving it, tackling the cancer, and then using our product to watch their sperm count come back up after you know, many months or years of chemotherapy and you just get another level of appreciation, I think, from those men who who have gone through something horrific and 
now have overcome it and are starting their families and focusing on on their futures and that quality of life and you know the fact that we can play some role in helping those men start their families is um uh incredibly rewarding excellent like i mentioned earlier i'm going to have links to both your websites on the show notes for this episode how can people follow you on twitter and anywhere else uh, in the social media space leah sure i would love to say that i'm really good at Twitter. I'm actually not, but please follow me. Maybe I'll get better if more people follow me. <laughs> <All right. laughs> what is your Twitter handle, Leah? It's Leah von Bitter. Um, so, so please follow me and encourage me to actually tweet about things. Um, <laughs> very much suggest you to follow me on LinkedIn, where I'm much more active, um, which is also Leah von Bitter, or follow the company at Able Women. Great. How about you, Greg? Yeah, our, our best handle is at TrackHQ, T R A K H Q. We're also on Facebook. And I would also mention, you know, the products available at trackfertility.com. We also have a second resource out there just for education on this topic at don'tcookyourballs.com. And for those listeners who are maybe very new to this topic, this discussion, we've built that site with some of the top experts and thought leaders in this industry to be an all comprehensive resource on anything men's sexual and reproductive health. So check it out. Uh, I guarantee you'll learn something by going there. There's interactive tools. And you know the more that we can help spread the word, build some awareness around the prevalence of infertility issues in men and, and help younger guys get some education, that, that's going to help us all out. So I love it. Great, uh, great URL there. Who could have thought that that was available? Don'tcookyourballs.com. <laughs> Thanks very much for putting that out there and helping to educate people. That's really an important aspect of everything we do. Listen, Thank you both for coming on the program. I wish you a lot of success. Is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners before I let you go? I actually have one thing. I think it's really, we, we touched on that a few times, but we talked about the role of men in this entire process. And I think this whole session is a huge success if we have more men getting their sperm tested earlier. So really from, from my side, we've seen so many women who try everything in the books to convince their partners to get their sperm tested and have a really hard time. And they talk online about how they can best frame it and formulate it in order to not be offensive. Getting your sperm tested is not something offensive. Um, so if there's in any way we can encourage people and men especially to do that earlier, um, I would really, really appreciate that. Wow, well said. Thanks, Leah. Uh, <laughs> no, I would just add, you know, the, the importance of communication, that the bottom line is is being educated, talking about it goes farther than anything that we're talking about. So don't be afraid to open up those communication channels and have the discussion, and, and that's only going to help you too. There you have it. That was Leah Von Bitter of avawomen.com and Greg Sommer of trackfertility.com. Check out the links to our guests, their companies, and everything we discussed in the show notes for this episode at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 55. Coming up in future episodes, we have Blevin Rees of ECH Alliance discussing the Digital Health Society, Dennis Boyle of IDEO as we get their insights on design thinking and healthcare, Dale Bierman of Pacifica to discuss mental health, and many, many others. Don't miss a single episode. Just hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And of course, please take a minute to leave a review in iTunes. Visit digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash review and see exactly how to do it from your mobile phone. It really helps build our digital health community and reach others who are working to transform healthcare. Don't forget to check out our partner Bayer and their new Grants for Apps Generator program. Applications are open until March 23rd, 2018. Find the link on our website or go straight to g4agenerator.com. You can follow me on Twitter at HealthTechDan or follow the show at dhealthtoday. And of course, you can always contact me the old-fashioned way on email at dan at digitalhealthtoday.com. That's all from me for now. Speak with you soon in episode 56. And until next time, keep on innovating. <laughs>